Okay, housekeeping. If everything goes according to plan, we should have a few live podcasts this week. So definitely be on the lookout for that. There is one more podcast that was recorded before we started doing lives. And that one should also be out later this week. So be on the lookout for that as well. As far as our guest goes, she's insanely cool. I had so much fun sitting down and talking with her and getting to hear about Black Humboldt. We also talked a lot about just the current state of the world, which I always enjoy. So I'm going to let her take over. Please give it up for Mo Harper Desir. So you're used to doing more behind the scenes kind of work for the radio station. Well, I, we, I have a coworker who does everything for the radio station and I'm just like keeping people organized and in the the calendar updated. How long have you been doing that? I've worked there for like two years. Okay. Yeah. And you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And this was K... KZZH. KZZH. 96.7 FM. Okay. Casual shout out. I know, right? (laughs) There you go. You have to plug your stuff, right? Yeah. That's all part of the fun. Yeah. So, So, Mo. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, so you hit me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I did. In regards to Black Humboldt. Yeah. Well, first off, you're an outside person, which I felt like we should include. How long were you... Did COVID kind of freak you out? Were you locked down pretty tight? Yeah, I have a newborn baby. Oh, okay. And so, and a young, another young child. And um, we had the privilege to work from home. So I was like, we're just going to lock it down so these kids don't get sick. Um, And then, you know, my younger son could get vaccinated because he's uh, eight. And then I got vaccinated and newborn baby drinks um, antibody breast milk. So now we're like a little more lenient and... Trying to come outside, trying to do something. Is this your first big outing then? No. Okay. No, no, no. So you've been going outside yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you've yeah, gotten out. Yeah. Okay. I've been going to places, yeah. Perfect timing because the weather's just starting to get nice now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, Black Humboldt. How did that all start? Because you were the co founder of that, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm originally from the West Coast, uh, excuse me, the East Coast, and I'm a transplant, and I had moved here was super reserved uh, and like kind of living away from the community for a while. And then my younger son needed to start school. So I started, you know, trying to acclimate to the community and like see what was going on. And I just um, was not seeing any black people. And I was like, oh, man, like, where are all the black people? (laughs) And um, I went to a dance class at Hellsport with uh, a great community member uh they no longer live here unfortunately but they were hosting a dance class and I was like I'm gonna go to this I went it was amazing and I met another community member um another black woman Deanna who was uh founded Black Humble with me and she just like came right up to me and was like yo what's up like what do you what do you do here for fun I'm not from here and um I'm like struggling to find my community and I was like, oh, man, I'm not from here either, but I'm having a similar issue. Like, we, we should just be friends. And uh, we kept running into each other at the gym. And uh, Deanna finally was like, I know you have, like, a nonprofit arts background. Like, can you help me kind of 
get this idea I have organized. And uh, she told me what she was thinking. And she was like, let's just like put it on social media. Like be like, we're having an exclusive event for black folks, anyone who identifies as black or part black or, you know, whatever. And um, meet us here. And, and that's what we did. And uh, we would just, you know, buy some appetizers. And the first uh, time we met up, we got an ally to share their space with us. And then um, we started like doing some research on black owned businesses in the area. And that kind of like sparked some other things that came up for us later um, with having the mixers like at these black owned businesses. An ally being a black owned business? No. So when I say ally, I mean like um, someone from outside of our community doing something to support our community. So um, in this case, it was just like a white community member that uh, Deanna knew. Did a lot of people show up to that first meeting? Um, Yeah. Yeah. We were just more kind of like, we were like, oh, it's going to be like a networking mixer. And so people can like share their business or like, you know, get connected for a job or something. And so we like weren't sure what to do, but we ended up like playing speed dating like a speed dating kind of game where everyone spoke to each other and like it ended up being fun we played music um and like now we just show up places like we were so worried about there being like an agenda or something like having a set schedule you guys should follow when you do meet up yeah but we got rid of that now we just kick it and when did that start when was the birth of all this so april 2018 okay so it's been a few years yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. It seems like yesterday. I bet. <laughs> Did it? Were you guys still meeting up prior to COVID? And then COVID probably put a halt on that for a minute. Yeah. Well, we started meeting virtually during oh, okay. COVID. Over Zoom? Yep. Which was cool. And we did like a handful of like online events, uh, which was cool because we could connect with, especially like Deanna and I are from different communities. It was cool to be like, come friends from other places and like come to my event and meet my new community so the idea was just to find kind of a black community within eureka and yeah or all of Humboldt. really i feel like we exist in um some pretty impressive numbers in this area considering but we're also spread out so that was another part of covid like there was a man that called in from like garberville and he was like hey i like am never in your area so I never get to come, but like I see you guys and I want to connect. So that was cool to give him space to like join us. And so it started out of a desire to start this community. And now it's kind of grown into everybody just being friends or you guys just working together to support black businesses or what? What yeah. has it morphed into? I mean, I guess it's really just us connecting everybody and then also being a platform for like resources. Um And, like, the development of black businesses is really important, Um, especially being, like, a micro community here. So um, we've kind of always had that premise because when Deanna and I first moved here, it was, like, those few black businesses where, like, we were holding on to them. Like, where do I get my hair care products? Where can I eat some food that reminds me of home? Like, you know, there was only a few of those places. So I was, like going to those businesses being like, hey, is my community around here? So having that personal value 
we like translated that into a lot of the work that Black Humble does. So we do a lot, yeah, for black businesses and then just connecting the community to the resources. Was there any foundation for that prior to you guys starting Black Humboldt? Was there any other organization that was kind of pulling people together? Or that was pretty unique to when you guys started it? I would say I would say that, you know, most nonprofits do that, right, in some capacity. There just hadn't been or excuse me, no one had communicated the need for uh, a hub for black and brown community members. And I think it's just because we have such small numbers, you know, we have like a vast indigenous community. So we know there are like a handful of organizations that are firsthand and a part of that community doing work for them. And same thing with like the Spanish speaking community. They have like some pretty prominent resources or groups that are for them quote unquote why quote unquote well because i feel like it's not it's you know there's like it's not promoted it blurs all Uh, those lines blur right barriers don't really exist but you know we imagine them but there it's like a blurred thing you know barriers in terms of who their resources are for or who they support kind of like it's more like it's like like for black humble we say like we serve the black and brown community but we will never not serve somebody in need if you if that translates okay you know what i mean yeah i you saying that just made me think of something when i was reading your guys's web page you guys host a lot of events right it said on your website that some of those spaces aren't inclusive to white people yes is that correct okay so walk so walk me through that yeah so um what was the line of thinking there because i'm guessing that was pretty intentional Oh, it, yeah, it's absolutely intentional. It's like kind of all we do. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, that just comes from personal experiences of needing space that is just for people of, you know, similar identities, right? Because exclusive spaces exist in lots of different parameters. We have like mother's support clubs and, um, you know, uh, country clubs, you know, exclusive spaces exist um but for us it's specifically being such a small percentage of a majority white area it gets tiring being the only black person in a room or the only woman in a room or you know the only handful of people of color that have experienced things that i've experienced so you intentionally create a space where we just meet so that we can talk about those experiences without you know, of any fear of judgment or um, feeling the need that the people I'm with won't understand what I have to bring to the table. So I just kind of like sit quietly in the room. So along those lines of feeling safe and wanting to speak on your experiences. And the choice to exclude white people is because they can't relate to those experiences so uh our exclusive events exclude anyone who doesn't identify as african-american or black or like afro-latine or from within the african diaspora okay so so you couldn't be chinese or mexican exactly 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 so it's it's exclusively for the black experience and you know the seven separation uh links of separation that come with like the term black have you gotten any pushback from that? I mean, we get that all the time. Or just we, in general, because well, of your organization. Well, I think just because people, uh, one, belonging to a dominant 
identity. You're not used to things not being accessible for you. So that's frustrating. And then feeling, people often feel like we, there's like a level of dislike or like disdain that causes us to be exclusive, which is not the case in the slightest bit. Um, you know, we have, there's people that have like white partners that they're like, well, this this event's just not for you, you know, and that there's no strife there. Um, and some people just don't understand it, that like what an, an exclusive space serves or like what the purpose is. Um, How would you explain it to those people when they I, hear that and they want to, they want to push back? Yeah. So, <laughs> so first off, I usually just mention other exclusive spaces that exist, like um, gen gendered bathrooms. Those are exclusive spaces, um, which, you know, there are some like leeways in those because we have all gender bathrooms, but that's like a super basic way to look at it or like a sorority. That's another exclusive space. Um, and then I also sometimes will say, you're a cat, okay? And you're walking in the alley. You can go, you're trying to get to your home. You can go left down the alley that's full of dogs and uh, maybe some <laughs> possums, raccoons, right? All these other animals. The dogs are most likely going to chase you. Or you could walk down the alley that's full of cats. And get, and get home and it's like which one would you choose the one that's safe for you includes the people that are part of your community ultimately right and they're going to take care of you and nurture you on your way home um versus you know the alley that's full of dogs or whatever um and yeah pretty much thinking about just that i could see some hesitation coming from the fact that none of those are race-based though Right, it's not a black cat, and you see a bunch of white cats. Yeah, it's cats, and it's not gendered bathrooms based on race. It's male and female. But do we have do we have any race based ones? Well, I'm wondering why those socially like gender is also a social construct. Why is it okay to use that in this premise, but not another social construct like race? But I also want to say that for many, many, many years lots of spaces were segregated by race and um, black folks weren't even really put in a position to enjoy joyful spaces um, like this, like we have, you know, just events to enjoy yourself, just events to connect with your community, um, you know, but we were supposed to leave these white spaces ultimately. So, you know, we, we there there was that happening for a very long time, <laughs> and uh, you know now it's just not done with the negative connotation. You know. Yeah, but it's still weird that it's race based, right? No. But what if it was? What if it was a bunch of white people creating a white space? White people that's already create white spaces. <laughs> yeah, but could you could, in today's they world? They just don't that's say it's for white people. <laughs> In but think today, about it. In today, though, could you come out and say, hey, I'm starting this bar and this bar is just for white people? That would be a problem. Well, I think just because that's like a business offering like a service, you like legally can't deny service to people. What if you were holding a meeting? You're like, you know, we're just going to have a meeting I mean, with I white just, people. I mean, quite frankly, if a bunch of white people were like, we're having a meeting, it's only white people. Kind of I don't want to go. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, they fair, can do whatever they want. <laughs> it doesn't sound good when you put it like that. Uh, but, uh, I mean... 
infinity spaces also exist for LGBTQ community. Like, are you are you mad at them for for doing the exact that, same thing? But then we go back to that's and it's self identifying. It's right? self identifying also. So like, no one is policing our door. White people have come to our events because they have. Uh, you know, black partners or something along those to, lines. To the exclusive black ones? Yes. And oh. so, you know, th- there's levels. Like we have, um, there's a lot of interrace families here. So some people have black kids that they want to go to the black event that doesn't have a black parent. We're not going to tell those people they can't come. Like, you know, that's still, you know, you're part of the community. You're part of the mix. But, you know, we like folks to, you know, look into... That why we're having the conversations of exclusive spaces, what it gives to the black community, and then also understanding why you're defensive about it existing. Um, you know? Are a lot of people defensive? I mean, I don't think a lot of, especially now. You know, I think, I think at first people were just seeing like I'm excluded from something instead of like which, which sparks a negative reaction. Exactly a lot of people. right. People were reacting. And being like, well, I'm not, I can't go to this. Why? And then, you know, taking a step back and being like, oh, you just like want some space for things that I don't experience. And I'm not sure what I would serve in that space anyways. You know, and a lot of people, uh, we do have community-wide events. And I I think some people do understand the conversation because we do get a lot of messages that say, hey, just checking in. Is this an exclusive space? Because I want to know, you know, what my role in the space is. Um and, you know, people of color also can be of white skin. So, you know, some of those folks sometimes are like, am I included in this conversation? Because I, I am a white bodied person, but I live the experience of like a person of color because I have whatever heritage, you know. Um, and so, you know, we're not policing the doors at our events to be like, no, you can't come in. Because most of the time. Do a skin it, test right yeah, at the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no paper bound test. Um but quite frankly, you generally know, uh, you know, if you're subject to colorism. That's also like a, a thing we kind of say, like colorism. So yeah, so generally under the terms of colorism, people of a darker complexion receive basically the shit end of the stick in every situation versus uh, lighter skinned people. And so maybe you've heard people have conversations around like light skin privilege. And like that level of blackness being more digestible for, you know, the white gaze or the white dominant culture that is generally in our communities. Um, And so that's often a conversation we'll have with folks, too, where they're like, I'm not black, but like I am a dark skinned person and I experience things in this dominantly white space. And so we're like, absolutely. If you feel like you want to create community with us, like come create community with us. (laughs) I think it's a, I think I don't inherently think that creating isolated spaces like that is bad. Like I think boy Scouts is good. I think little boys should have a place where they can go and just be boys. I think girl Scouts is good. Gendered bathrooms I think is, is pretty good. Um, I just I could see the hesitation where it comes to racial divides. But that's an interesting point where we do have these other gendered ones. It's just the race one is is always interesting to me. Just because 
how do I want to phrase this? Just because I think it's a slippery slope. I think it's a slippery slope when we start isolating people based on characteristics. It was a problem back with slavery. That was a big problem. And I worry that it just creates more of a divide rather than Yeah, helping. and I mean, really... I guess you. I don't know if that's a good way to phrase that. I mean, quite frankly, you can have all those feelings. Like I'm sure, you know, people have that regard all the time. But it's I I find that it comes from people that don't need those spaces. So, folks that generally feel safe in most situations that they encounter, Um, and so you know, that's all right because we're going to hold the space <laughs> for the folks that do need it and they'll take, they'll take what they need from it. Um, but like same thing, like BIPOC caucuses it exist. Um, it's like a technique often used to support communities and underserved populations, right? Where you have these listening sessions that are infinity based spaces, meaning identity based. Sometimes that's, that's what infinity means. And if, Affinity. Affinity. So okay. AFF, yep. I thought you were saying infinity. Like, affinity spaces, yes. It's like a commonly used education tool where you'll divide people based on common identities. Sometimes that's uh could be gender based, it could be race based, it could be sexual orientation. Um, and it's ultimately, yeah, again, just a blanket of safety because everyone in that space has a similar, if not the same, lived experiences. Do you think that we could run into a problem, though, in the future where if we separate all these people out into these groups based on experiences, based on race, based on whatever, we limit their ability and their perception of different experiences? And so instead of bringing people closer together as a as a community level, we build these little, yeah. these little pockets that are really tight, but then outwardly to other pockets there's no yeah i mean you you get that disconnect i mean i think we already see things like that existing right um i think that's my fear with say with spaces like that that are divided on races that if everybody just went then maybe you would have more white people go and they could see that side of okay yeah oh shit and i mean and that's why we do both right so we do a juneteenth celebration every year we've never done that exclusively because i think it's really powerful for our non-black community to learn about uh, the intersection of black history and American history through that celebration, right? Or like um, we do an artist showcase all the time. The lineup is exclusive to black artists, but everyone can come and watch it. The spaces that we want to make exclusive are the intimate ones, you know, the ones that we're looking to create more of an intimate community, tight-knit bond versus, um, you know, a learning opportunity for the community or something like that, a fundraiser. Um, and I think, you know, being intentional in those spaces is is what packs the punch of how we serve our community, knowing that they can do both, interact with a greater community of humble or interact with, you know, the people that have the closer identifiers to me and have the same like experiences I'm having or also have young kids that I would like to hang out with my young kids because they live in McKinleyville and I live in Fortuna or whatever, you know. I was just letting that, I was processing that because I think it is important. I think, 
Well, it's kind of like, so do you like play fantasy football or anything like that? No. Okay. Um, Swing and a miss. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't either, but yeah, I'm just okay. thinking like you have your crew that you do that with, mm-hmm. right? And and that's just the crew. And I mean, it's kind of like that. You have your friends that you would d- invite to dinner. Like say you're having like an event, right? You're having a huge birthday. You're turning 50. You might invite your family, your friends, your coworkers. You know, you're gonna, you might invite more people to that because it's like a general celebration. But then maybe one Friday you're feeling like you just want to, you know, have some social time. You're making dinner at your house. You might only invite, you know, your friends and your family. Or, you know, it's Christmas morning. Or excuse me, I don't know what holidays you celebrate. So it's some great holiday that you celebrate. And you might only invite your family. So just like being intentional with your space is like a good way to think about it too. And like how you use those regenerate, uh, regenerative spaces or those like healing spaces, the ones where you like recharge your batteries. How intentional are you with those spaces? In regards to your spaces, is any of that designated by race? Do you have like a close knit of black friends that you're more close with than like any of your white friends or something like that or any of your, I don't know, pick a race? Um, I mean, as a as a black person, I'll say also as a queer person, like most of my friends are in that black or brown or queer. <laughs> you know, uh, I have white family, too, and I have white friends. But generally speaking, when I like when I was in high school and I or like when I, I switched schools in like sixth grade at the lunchroom, I was looking for people that looked like me or I was like, you know, that's kind of where I was at or you know, especially like my neighborhood I grew up in was a bunch of people that look like me also. So it's like, those are just the people I was looking for. And that tends to be when you're, when you're a single number (laughs) in a room of people that don't look like you, you tend to want to go to the people that do look like you, which sometimes it's race, but I'm a pretty racially ambiguous person. So (laughs) I'm like, not necessarily like black folks, but black and brown people of color in general. When you how old were you then in school? You said you were waiting in the lunch line. Did you say your age? Oh, uh, it was like sixth grade. So sixth 12, grade. Okay. 13. Did you, were the white kids like not accepting uh, at the time or you just felt more comfortable? I had absolutely like experienced you? extremely racist things towards me from white students, but it it wasn't necessarily that they were white and I was like, oh no, like my mother is white. I, my grandmother is white. Those are two like nurturing places for me. Um, but I just had had good situations with, or just hanging out with group, a group of kids that, you know, they listen to the music I like, eat the food I eat, uh, you know, things like that, where I was just like, oh, these people do the things I do. I like them. And when you're like 12, you're not like, it's because, (laughs) it's because we have the same ethnic background, you know, you find, like, you like make those connections later. And this was back on the East Coast? Yeah. Okay. And I'm guessing it was a predominantly white school then? Well, funny thing is, I actually grew up in an inner city, super Caribbean. So Caribbean people look like, they go from extremely dark to extremely white, blonde hair, blue eyes. So that concept didn't really exist for me. But um, my grandparents lived in a suburb, a white suburb that was like an hour away from there that had really good school system. So my mom used to, like, we used to wake up at the crack of dawn and drive 
to this school and basically use my grandmother's address to go to this school for a better education. And I was, my brother and I were the only two black kids that went to this school. And we were a spectacle. Like, <laughs> people were, like, always commenting on my hair, my clothes, everything. The way I spoke, what I brought to school for lunch. But the fact that I did, needed school, like, free lunch. Like, there was a, there was definitely a racial divide, but a social, like, a socioeconomic divide, too. Like, I lived in an apartment building on top, stacked on top of people, you know, with too many kids in the apartment and these these kids all lived in like, you know, nice suburb houses. So just things like that. I remember one time some kid uh, cut me in line and I was like in like second grade. So this is a imprint memory. I don't know if you ever saw uh, the the brain movie, the Pixar. Oh, inside not, out. Yeah, inside out. <laughs> so yes. This is a core memory. A good memory uh, or but, good movie. Yeah, great movie. Um, Not a good memory. Good yeah, movie. That's bad what I memory, good great movie. movie. Yeah. But this kid cut me and I was like, yo, you can't cut me. And he was like, yes, I can. You're brown. And I legit was like, oh, like, that's a rule I never heard before. Like, Oh, you thought that was I thought legitimate. it was real. Like, I thought that was so real. And I went home and, like, told my mom. And I was like, did you know you can't be in the front of the line if you're brown? And she was like, oh, my God, what? Who said this? Like, you know, and, like, told me that's not real. That's not nice, you know, whatever. But yeah, that stuff used to happen to me all the time. And then I got to go to another suburb because <laughs> we moved to that community, but it was a very diverse community. So still pretty like white liberal. There were no liberals in that first town I spoke about. I misspoke. But the second town, very white liberal, lots of um, like first generation people of color. There's a there was like five universities there. So like people just flocked kind of to that area. And um that's where I like really started to make like a community of black and brown kids that like look like me and like to do things I did and um listen to the music I listened to. Their parents like were similar. There was a lot of like interracial kids that I was friends with. Um that was like an area, an area that had a lot of interracial families and mixed race families, which is great. We love those. Um, so lots of weird race experiences <laughs> through it all, really. Yeah, that is a crazy thing for a kid to experience, right? And you're a kid, so you don't know. You hear that and you're like, oh, I guess. I literally was I like, guess, oh, okay. New school. I mean, I guess I, I, I guess this is just I ain't never been here before. Where back east was this? Uh, I'm from Western Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So I uh, was born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is like kind of closer to Hartford, Connecticut. And then um, my grandparents live in like this weird little tiny town um, in between there and Boston pretty much in Western Massachusetts and uh, Amherst is though where I went to high school and that's a pretty well-known area just because of all the colleges that are there and like um, Stonewall happened really close to there and Hampshire College is a kind of a well-known arts like liberal arts college um, a lot of great like activists like arts activists have come from Hampshire College I did not know that oh yeah yeah cool it's all right cool place <laughs> okay what was stonewall that was the school no so St stonewall was like the revolt um led by Marsha p henson that's like a trans activist from like the 70s 
70s or 80s. I don't know. I'm bad with timelines. But um, they basically, like, stood their ground and got rowdy. And uh, it helped just advocate for a lot of trans rights. And um, there's a building in Amherst named after the that riot. I don't know if I've heard about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get on, oh, okay. get on your black trans some, activists. I'm going to have to do some Googling. You over here mad about uh, uh, exclusive spaces. No, I'm not mad. I have to intentionally press just because I'm trying to understand. Like, I don't, oh, have, yeah, yeah. I don't have any skin in the game. So I don't, I just, from like a spectator standpoint, yeah. I guess, of okay, why though? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. is it that way? I mean, I always am like, we socially construct a lot of things. And I think everyone gets really upset about race where I'm like, it literally just categorizes your shade of skin. It's oh yeah, it's of, a stupid metric. It's stupid. We could get rid of it if you really wanted. Like, but every for so long, so many things have been like created around it. It's like, I think it's just again. I think it's just a slippery slope. And the only reason I say that is because we both know that if again back like if they were starting white meetings in town. Most people would say, okay, that's... I mean, they're already are. They just problem. don't say Are people it. doing that? Are, do are really... people of color or young people going to, uh, like, <laughs> these meetings... Or, like, excuse me, anyone outside of a certain sphere of communications doesn't know about any of the local meetings that happen. And I promise you I can list the communities that are outside of those spheres that receive those communications. Like, to know that those meetings are happening... Or, like, going to a town hall meeting. Like, look around. Who are the people that are knowing to be there at that time? Unless the, like, unless there's, like, a deliberate motion happening that affects communities of color, they normally are not going to those meetings. Which is Like a board of supervisors Like meeting? a board of supervisors meeting. Or, like, Eureka Town Hall. Or... But is that by choice of them just not going? Well, to be I fair, mean, I haven't gone either. No, but no, I've I'm saying them. like those people are less likely to be in the line of communication to know that that meeting is happening, just based off of like demographics of who holds those jobs in our community, or like who the people that are included in those conversations are less likely to be people of color based off just off our demographics because there's so few of us, and so. I'm not saying that is an exclusive space. I'm just saying that by the way it functions, it often becomes an exclusive space because it's not accessible to everybody. Well, anybody could go. You to can, be fair. Anybody but it could only happens at a certain time. It only ha- well when it was virtual. I was like, they should just keep these virtual because any like it's, per- it's perfect. It's perfect because you or can at just least kinda, live stream them. Yeah, because you they can do. just drop in. So I'm like, I hope they keep that. Anyone that's a part of that. Yeah, that I watched function. one a couple weeks ago and it was. In person, but they live streamed yeah. it. That's how I saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, But prior to that, you would have to like not work at that time, which or catch is an the office replay hour. on the news at like. But if Sunday it's a replay, you can't even go do anything. Live. Yeah, then it doesn't matter at yeah. that point. So, just a tiny like just reflecting on how these things like pop up in lots of ways, I guess. Yeah, but that would be crazy if they came out and said, "Okay, whites only." That would be crazy. I mean, I don't know. That would be Maybe so it's because I'm black, but I'm like, lots of places say that without saying that. Like, But don't you, couldn't an argument be made that that, oh, no, okay, okay, how am I going to say this? <laughs> couldn't that be, some people definitely do, right? That is a real thing. But some people would, could that just be misinterpreted? Well, okay, what do you mean when you say that? I mean, like, so ready, there's some 
I can never. It's a fraternity that's like, or sororities do this too. Here locally? Oh, no, you're just, just in general. general. Okay. So the concept of that, right? So fraternity and sororities. You have, you can, some of them you can only be in if a, a family member has been a part of it. And so if that university didn't start even having black students until the 1980s, <laughs> that was an exclusively white space for a pretty long time. Like, you know what I mean? Until until someone waved waved out of that and maybe had an interracial child, but for the most part, it could be assumed that that lineage was pretty white for a while. And like similar things like that, where uh, what's being handed down or so, whatever to get in. Same thing, country club. You have to like be a certain price bracket to be in a country club. Once upon a time. Whereas like black folks couldn't even have good paying jobs until whatever, whatever. And it's like, so once again, another place that probably took a while for it to be fully integrated, just based off of the credential to get in or whatever it may be, or like the wage gap for so long. Cause black people couldn't go to college. You know, there was just a huge wage gap there and it was like, Black people weren't going to even be middle class. And there's so many things you don't get to do once you make it to middle class, America, whatever. Couldn't get loans to buy houses. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you have to be a homeowner to join this club. I'm not telling you it's exclusively white, but if you are not allowed to own a house as a black person, I'm telling <laughs> this now is an exclusive space. Do you think that's a problem? I mean, I, I, I believe it's a problem we're dismantling slowly now. But I mean... I'd like to think that like things like redlining are a thing of the past, but I, d I don't live everywhere. You know, I know people still have some pretty radical ideas around race in like the middle of the country, maybe some Southern towns. Yeah. There are definitely a few nut jobs still out there. Well, I, I won't think say nut jobs. I will say nut jobs. I'll <laughs> like, say it for both yeah, of I'm us. Like, he said enough. Nut jobs. Uh, but or not, but yeah, there definitely are. I think it's, I mean, we are definitely making a lot of progress for sure. I would say. Yeah, I think I think there's been a lot of co like switching up, just general lines of thinking and societal expectations and norms, and also like uh, the combination, like everyone's becoming interracial. So uh, I hope and I pray that. I mean, even I have kids and. Um, my children are very fair skinned. So my son has no idea about a lot of the racial things that like I experienced or any of my family members who are like darker than me. And I see a lot of kids that come from black families or like interracial families. So both my husband and I are interracial. And so we're, our kids could really look like anything, <laughs> which is like also crazy science and race and stuff. But um, so I feel like a lot of kids look like him now and it's just not a it's not a factor in a lot of things that it was when I was younger or it might be just generally society is trying to step away from like we said that weird social construct that we use so often. Yeah. What do you make of mixed race relationships? You think that's fantastic? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm down for anybody to love anybody. You can That's my approach. I'm Why would anybody care what anybody yeah, else does? I'm like, I've liked almost every kind of person ever. So I just, that's how I see everything. I have talked to people and gotten this sentiment that for some in the black community, 
it's not I wouldn't say it's not great, but yeah, the it's idea, weird. There's it's a lot weird. of things There's like that. There's a little friction there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of it's funny because I feel like that's every culture or every like community they have their like barriers you know like black the black community is rough on queer folks too or like the idea of therapy uh and then some folks yeah same thing like don't you don't date outside your race but it's like if my father didn't date outside his race i would not exist (laughs) it's a weird sentiment especially when it comes to relationships i do think there's a lot of work and education to be had by a white parent that has a brown child and i think it's important that those people look into just you know society's setup for brown folks you know and and i hear this response from a lot of people that were like i did not even really understand the implications of race until i was in a relationship with a person of color or had brown children and so I do urge that. I'm like, have all the multiracial babies you want, but do the work that you can like emotionally and mentally support them in the way that's like important for them to be held. <laughs> What's the framework for that work? I mean, quite frankly, I think it it takes a lot to understand the role of white supremacy in our country, the role of, um, you know, implicit bias, dominant culture in general, like, Find out if you don't know what the patriarch is, read a book and find out what the patriarch is. It's like another really strong controlling factor in our country. And I think there's a lot of social diagrams you can dissect that affect brown kids, you know, and it's European beauty standards, you know, representation, um, being told that majority of the ways you look is not how, which is, it is changing, right? Like, the media is changing. We have more representation. But this idea that, like, dark skin, nappy head people don't exist in the media is, like, not good for the kids that, you know, fit, fit that box or look like that. Um, and just, like, white defensiveness. Like, like you brought up, people that are going to be mad about exclusive space. Like, why are you mad? There's lots of spaces you can't go to. Are you mad at those spaces, too? If you're not... The, one, the differing factor, you know, you might need to reflect on that a little bit. Yeah. Again, I think that just comes from, if it was both ways, I don't think people would have a problem with it. I think it would be fine. Yeah. If every race could form their own, white people, I mean, everyone can. You just call people. But white people. (laughs) Everyone can, but white people. I mean, there's that weird stigma with white people. I mean, just like I made a flyer that said black exclusive space, people got mad at me. I didn't care. And I held my space and I needed. Like a white person can do the exact same thing. (laughs) You don't think they get shit on way more, though? I mean, there would be like, I got shot on. People were like calling us, telling us we're racist or telling us, yeah, like people will call our phone or like we gave away school kits and we said for black and brown kids and someone called us and said pink kids are great too. And I was like, oh, so you've already heard that sentiment. Oh, we hear it. That's what I'm saying. It's that the people that have never needed to create space for themselves are the ones that call us telling us we're bad people (laughs) because we have to make our own space because there's none for us. You know, that's just truly safe somewhere that I can like just kick back. I don't have to worry about who's watching me or listening to me or like whatever. 
but yeah, we've gotten some funny. Well, it's funny because we have like a Google voice, so I read them. I don't like, and then sometimes I'll Oh, you have a man. voice read to you? Well, like on the Google voice app, you your voicemails are like scripted out. Oh, okay. And, and then you listen to it. But... Oh, so you don't have to hear them saying it. Yeah, yeah. You but it. You, it's oh. funny to see like how it codes it and then what they're saying. Yikes. <laughs> well, that's interesting that you say they should just go ahead and make it. I mean, if you feel if you have a need for it, mm-hmm. you shouldn't really care what anyone, what anyone else says. says. Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know if that would be harder. I think it would. It and would then be I'm hard. also wondering. So, I I mean, really, like, so you're like, okay, the white people can't do it, but then what? Like, what? I'm trying to see how I'll phrase this question. Oh, you, it's a podcast. You can phrase it however I you know. want. I know. Well, not to be right, just to like communicate what I'm trying to say, but um, like why does that scare you like why does that scare me yeah it scares me because i feel like we are on a path of division and i feel like as we separate into these groups lgbtq black white mexican chinese i feel like we are creating greater and greater divides in our country and i think that we're going to hit a boiling point where nobody comes together and that scares me okay and so i feel like Instead of looking at things that we don't share in common, we need to start coming together on common ground. We're all people. Yeah. We all live in this country. We're all, or most of us, are are struggling and trying to create a better life for ourselves, for our kids, yeah. for the future. And we have problems. We have Ukraine. We have global warming. We have all these other issues. And to continually break people down into these boxes, I think that's a problem. And I, I worry that as that becomes more ingrained into just everyday life in America, our our grandkids are going to be so much more segregated than what happened in in slavery or in the 60s or, or pick a time. We're just yeah. – and it's going to be because we chose to go down that path. I think you're forgetting that almost all those people you listed in- – are included in more than one of those things, right? Like intersectionality exists. Like, so I'm a black woman, right? But I'm also a black queer woman. I'm also multiracial. I'm also technically white. You know, I could check that box. I have a white mother. And so, you know, I have, I belong to multiple of these communities. So even if one of them is having a space that's exclusive, I still exist in more than one of one space. So I think, you know, you start to think about people sectioning off. I mean, I don't think we'll ever be as extreme as sectioning off or even segregation like we had in the 60s Jim Crow era because people exist in more than one community, you know. And it's like what what happens to all the middle people, you know, all these folks that are exist in all these multiple spaces, you know, like or even like uh, segregation was like the paper brown test, right? So if you're darker than a paper brown bag then you're a black person was that a real test yeah oh i didn't know that yeah yeah you over here saying it's about to be segregation (laughs) well i don't to be fair i don't think it will take that form but i think it will take the form of all black schools all mexican schools i think it will take the form of somebody's friend group being primarily made up of 
one race and them not experiencing yeah. other races, whatever. Well, that I'm like, looks all like. those things already exist. I know, and that scares and me. And if you think about it, that's pretty much how our country was built post segregation, right? The mm-hmm. Reconstruction era was putting all the black and brown people in shitty ghettos and then le- allowing everyone else to move to the suburbs. So I'm like, we've already had these exclusive spaces. They're just not in desirable places that other people want to go to, right? We had no one complaining. I want to go live in inner city Harlem, but they won't let me because I'm not because I'm a white person. Like no one was saying that because (laughs) no one wanted to go live in those conditions. Right. And it's just interesting now that, you know, these spaces are becoming something of therapy, something of cultural preservation, something where we are relearning the languages that were taken from us or you know a mexican school might exist because it's a uh, spanish language you know they're speaking spanish there and even fuente nueva exists in arcada right it's a spanish immersion school so they speak in spanish there i can pro- you know you can probably assume a lot of bilingual families of spanish descent go to that school but i know for a fact lots of white children go to that school too you know and it's like they then, therefore, they are here at this exclusive space because it's language exclusive. Right? But it's it's language exclusive, but it's not saying you can't learn the language and then enter the space. A uh, race specific, yeah, but inclusivity is I can't learn to. But be, even a black school is not going to be race exclusive. It's going to be exclusive to black history, black knowledge, black Afro Pan African living. You know, I don't think we'll ever see someone say. No, no, I'm only taking this race of person. Even but if I that was s- only black people or only Yeah, Mexicans. but I could see them saying this curriculum is solely based on the black experience, you know, or the Mexican-American experience because we say, you know, I could see something like that happening in L.A. and it being very meaningful, right? That but that used kind to be- of embodies my fear, right? Because then if you're only learning one side of history, then you're you're missing out on... Well, we've only been learning one side of history for the whole time. That was a problem. (laughs) That was a huge problem. And us now just changing that one side is still a problem. You have to have the whole picture. I mean, and that's, I mean, that would be the goal. Yeah. Right. There we go. I'm telling, yeah. But I don't think, or I'm telling you this history, I'm just not excluding anything this time. Exactly. But I don't think we're going there. I think we're just switching the one side. Sounds lit. They can have Mexican cuisine. You learn about Mexican history. You maybe will learn Spanish. Spanish, and then you go home to whatever community you're from and you can implement those things into your that life that would be awesome not. like that sounds lit but again it's not it's not race-based no which is the thing it I would think, just be like culturally influenced yeah and you could always learn spanish and yeah. going to the school you would definitely learn spanish if that's what they're teaching yeah. you and you'd have to pick it up yeah and when you're a kid that's the best time to learn a language and they can do the same thing for so many things like we're supposed to be a melting pot there should be you know but i think that that does hit on my point is that we're just switching out. Okay. So say we got the white side of history. You could frame it like that. Well, then now we're just switching it out to the Mexican side or the black side. But then what about the Chinese side? What about, I mean, I think, I think you just, you know, tap into those communities to get the resources and tell it as like a, a full timeline. Right. So like say it's 1907. These are all the things that were happening on this land in 1907. And that's it. It does. I mean, obviously there's things missing though, because we only have white history because they had the resources to make history. Whereas other people in that were here either kept history in a different form 
or didn't have access to do anything. So it's like, I don't, I don't know how you fix the history problem, but that I, you know, those are the people that had like pen and paper. If you think about it. Well, yeah. And the winner always, the winner always writes yeah, the history tells book. The story, yeah, yeah. That's just how human history goes. So, but yeah, I don't think <laughs> I was like, we got way off ta- topic, but I, no, but it's all, it's I all think in we're, theme. I think we're too far past that. I think too many things intersect and cross over for us to ever fully be like all of this type of person is here and all of this person is here and we're throwing. But up even whatever. if you fit into all of those boxes, most people condense it down to a very few primary ones that they really identify with. Like you're black and white. Do you identify with the white side? Uh, I mean, yeah, my mom raised me. But would you identify with that? Would you say in equal parts to being black as well? Do you feel like you've got... I mean, I think maybe I'm a rare case because I have both of... On both sides of my parents, I'm uh, very close to my immigrant that came here. So like my great-grandfather immigrated on my grandma's side, on my mom's side, and my dad's an immigrant. And so I feel like I was just culturally connected to like my grandfather's from ireland his wife is from france and then uh my dad is from haiti so i'm like i feel like i just was just still immersed in those uh, my family hadn't assimilated yet whereas who knows you know so yeah like if you go to my instagram you'll see i have a little irish flag and a little haitian flag because i'm i have haitian heritage and irish heritage so yeah that's definitely a mix right Irish, France. Yeah, Irish, and France, Haitian. Haitian, which is funny because France uh, colonized Haiti. Did they really? I mean, it's not funny, but, but yeah, 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 yeah. That's why Haitian, yeah. Haitian, uh, Haitian folks speak French Creole. Yeah, and they colonized and then, Canada too, right? Didn't the French do that? Yeah, or maybe like portions of okay. it. But yeah, there's a lot of French influence in Canada, and I'm not sure if that was like their America, you know, like France went there, or yeah. if they. What, what happened? I don't know. Yeah, history is so fascinating. I definitely do not know enough of it. Oh, There's yeah. just so much out there. I mean, you could take, you could pick one small spot on a map and spend your life learning about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you should learn about the African diaspora because it will open your eyes a little bit more on, on Black Humboldt's exclusive spaces because we will take anyone from the African diaspora and you can look like anything coming from the African diaspora because, uh, France, Spain, England, Tahinos, which are natives, and black folk all mingled within the African diaspora. So, what is the African diaspora? So, the African diaspora is basically all the countries that were uh, slaves were brought to. So, it's the entire Caribbean, uh, some of the bottom of America. And, well, really, I guess we don't really say that's the African diaspora, but Florida, you know, slaves were coming in and out of Florida. But most slaves basically came from Africa and went to the Caribbean. Then they were housed in the Caribbean islands, and then they were sent to the Americas and to the top of South America. So, like, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, all those places have people of so many skin tones so like there are completely white people that live in these spaces there are completely black people that live in these spaces and every shade in between and every hair texture in between like the african diaspora is so vast and that's like 
anyone that has heritage out of any of those islands most likely has white African and native indigenous Taino like mixed culture and so that's why we were like anybody from the diaspora can come into our exclusive space and so you know that like I said you know so many different people even if they're albino they would be welcome yeah well (laughs) yeah yeah I think it's more of like a cultural thing than than like the way you look absolutely yeah you can be any color and experience a different culture right you could be white and grow up in mexico and you'd be vastly different than yeah yeah it's a called mexican a, that grew up it's here. called a third culture or like yeah third culture i think is what it's called it's basically when you are not of that ethnic descent but you grow up immersed in that culture so exactly that like being white growing up in mexico or like I went and grew up in Australia or something. It'd be cool to have an Australian accent, though. Yeah. I would be down for that. That place has wild animals. I could not. I yeah, mean, I, wouldn't go, me. I would not leave Everywhere the city. Everywhere has wild animals. but Yeah, but it feels like everything in Australia wants to kill you. Yeah. At <laughs> least here you have some things that are like, oh, okay, My son like said that. Yeah. He's like, people live there and everything can kill you. I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It seems, I mean, Sydney seems like it And it's really cool. hot. But it's great rich culture see like history is really cool i would learn about things it's just sad that most of it has like genocide well genocide is just a part of human nature right i mean <laughs> is it you don't think it is i mean i i don't think it's not i just don't think it should be i think it's a a negative <laughs> oh yeah i'm not over here promoting of human I'm, not, nature. I'm not over here saying or almost like the, we're getting gold star for all of that. Like if if there were a hundred people in the whole world, I would feel like only like five of them human nature would be like, let me kill all these people. Yeah, but then it'd be rough for those other ninety five. I know, but I'm saying like I don't think it's like a super common trait that. Oh no, I think most people most people err on the side of good. Yes. The problem is. It only takes a handful. I know of one on person, bat, quite so. frankly. Yeah, with the right power dynamics, you can get and them change to, yeah, the world. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Well, and I think we're kind of biased today towards that because we didn't. We grew up with things, everything. Yeah, everything at the click of a button, especially now. And back then, it was a different time, like back in the. Yeah, but almost six fifty. I think and before. the. I, mean, I don't know. Just... I think it's people are still just as desperate. Just the means has changed. Because we still like poverty, crime, all of that exists because people's needs aren't being met. Like. Yeah, but we're not. You I and mean, I. there's no threat. There's no threat that tomorrow. Well, that's kind of different with Ukraine popping off. But there's no threat that tomorrow somebody could come into our village and start beheading people well quite frankly my neighbor if he wanted to he could come and kick in my door and be like give me your house or i shoot you i don't think that's gonna happen but because i think he's a nice person but i mean i don't know him but uh, it hasn't happened yet but yeah i'm assuming but i mean it could like or someone could be like give me your car and i'd be like if they had a gun i'd be like yep here's my car here you go because i don't know what you're capable of i've talked that i've talked about that a few times on here now is that 
there's this thin veneer of society that we all live in now where it's like, oh, because we come into contact with so many different people and all it would take is one I know. to just have a bad day. And I mean, we'll see. And that's maybe a better reflection on human nature or uh, is that we believe people to be good until they prove us to like the opposite, you know? So. Yeah, but what's the alternative? Think everyone's going to... Well, no, that's, that's like, a rough you know, life. Craigslist exists because people trust other people, right? I can sell my bike on Craigslist. But really, I could make a crazy list of the crazy posts on Craigslist and just wait for people <laughs> to show well, up. cities exist because we have a pretty good amount of trust in people. If I told you there was one person in Eureka that was gunning to kill you, you would say, I'm not going to Eureka. Yeah. I, I'm going to live anywhere else but Eureka. But we all live here because we have, we feel... Because no one has told me they're going to kill me yeah. yet. <laughs> Nobody ever does until it happens. And you're like, oh, shit. Society. Funny. Well, yeah. I mean, right? It's just a weird... It's this lie that we tell ourselves that, oh, no, we're safe. We're okay. Every day is going to be good. Yeah, I mean... And you almost have to in order to live life. Because if you spent every day thinking, today could be the day that I die... Well, I mean, I guess that's just a reflection of our privilege that those aren't the thoughts we're having. Because I guess someone somewhere is having those exact thoughts. A lot of people. A lot. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people that are starving to death. Sick or uh, might lose their job or lots of things. Yeah, might lose their job is a little lighter. But that's Some people there. handle things differently. Or like you don't know what goes with that. Losing yeah, but your I would job, definitely... what else happens? True. That's true. I would definitely rather lose my job than die. Absolutely. I think but a... if you lose your job, you could eventually die. Homeless. Well, they have those. On the street, freeze to death. They have those nets around buildings in China, right? Because people just jump out of the buildings. Wow. See? That's wild. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. Yeah, because so many people were jumping. There's a lot of people that tall... live there. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And they have, I think it's these phone factories that they have. I don't know if it's like iPhone or Samsung or I don't know which one in particular, but they have these giant factories where... Oh, the workers. Yeah, they'll have the workers live at like one complex and then bust them over to the other complex to assemble. And that's where they just start jumping. I mean, of course they do. They don't live anywhere but work. Yeah, that's not a good life. <laughs> like, they, they do are, they leave? We are... De- I don't think so. Because I'm like, that literally is a recipe for people wanting to kill themselves. Yeah, I don't know if... I. I'm going to say that they probably don't leave. Maybe on the weekend if they get a weekend, but... Yeah, see, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if what's your weekend? Not not enough to make you not want to jump. Yeah, that's crazy. Man. Well, shout out to those people that have to work that job and haven't killed themselves yet. I, I hope I've you have better things. i got an iPhone over here. Yeah, so do I. Fuck, I have to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get rid of mine. I, I definitely empathize. That's the weird thing, right? Uh, yeah. We know that there are these problems out there with these child... Yeah. factories and i was just gonna say minerals. that i think about it all the time every time i want to buy a pair of nikes i literally think about small children and i'm like fuck is do you still buy the nikes though i mean i haven't in a while but i own some so yeah i'm there i'm i'm adding to the cause and it's like you know same thing this consumerism it's crazy because the backside of it's ugly but we all pre-cart in it and we can ignore it because it's not Because it's not here. here, yeah. Not in your face. It's just far enough away. Yep. That's what's weird about the Ukraine war right now is that it's not that far away. 
It's because we can see it right. It's right on your phone. I know, but even uh, I was just talking to someone else about this. It's already like the performatism in this country is wild. People will be like, I support this. Oh my God, reshare, reshare, post, post. It's flooding the system. And then two, three weeks later, it's like completely gone from the news. And it's like, and I even was like, wow, would this even be on my mind still if I didn't know somebody that lives in Ukraine? Like, you know somebody that's out there? Th- they have already come back and they're safe and they're sound. Their family is situated. But it was on the forefront of my mind because someone I love was there. And I was having those moments all the time where I'm like, damn, like war happens every day. And my like, it's just not on the forefront of my mind because it doesn't affect me like directly, you know? And it's like... You can go on the internet and learn about things, but until it's like shoved at you, it's like, I didn't even think twice about it. And like, would I even be noticing that the uh, the headlines have ceased to include Ukraine if, again, I wasn't like directly tied to it? That's crazy. I couldn't imagine actually being out there. Were they out there when it started? Or did uh, they manage to get out before? They were there at a pretty crazy time in the city and I'm like, I was very worried. And I also just kept having those like moments where I'm like, damn, yo, you read books about like war stories and you are so disconnected from it. And you think that like the way people used to like drop bombs on cities is like a thing of the past. And it's like, absolutely not. People are still just dropping bombs on cities. Like, and just shooting civilians. Yeah, That's, like you hear stories about that. Crazy. It, I mean, now I I think they're gonna like, they're like going to war, jail or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Well, they're called. trying. I know they started trying, or they just found him guilty today of Russian soldier for war crimes. But the guy looks like he's maybe see, but eighteen. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But it like that concept is crazy to me. Like. We're cool with people being like, I'm invading this space, shooting guns, killing people to an extent. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you take it too far, you're going, you're, you're going to go to trial for war crimes. But, like, why is there even a space between, like, there That's and... That's an interesting point, <laughs> You know, right? like, why is it okay for them to just come take this land anyways? Like, I, like, I thought... Well- and we're saying, okay, you can drop bombs, but if you gas anybody, yeah, then we're going to have a problem. Don't pro- take it too far. Point. Like You've got this line. We're going to let you shoot people. Yeah, you can kill a few civilians. But if you start gassing people. Mm, yeah, like wh- who even decided that? And then like, why? weird. Is, I've never thought about does that. Does all that space even exist? Like in my head, like before there were like laws and ideas around like <laughs> wars and stuff i was like why like you can take land cool right it's oldie times it's like the 1300s everyone's like invading and taking land and i was like i thought we were just set on like the borders now like everyone's just happy with the land they have and today yeah today now by now we're good we don't need to like go take land from people anymore like just chill everyone has somewhere to be like yeah, apparently not. <laughs> apparently we are not okay with that. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do about that? Do you just let it play out? Do you intervene? There's not really a safe answer. I mean, in my experience, you can kind of change anything. It just takes a lot of work and generally a lot of paperwork or like 
signatures from people that hold power. And it's like, if you've got the time and energy, go for it. What freaks me out is that it doesn't seem like we are doing anything to de-escalate. It seems like we're doing a lot to just keep the progression of what's going on going on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just like a double-edged sword that basically we look like assholes because we can't really help because ultimately we don't want to end up in a shithole, which I'm like 100%, I'm like, I understand taking that stand, right? And like, our country is already falling apart. Like, we don't... We've got a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm like, we don't have anything to be stepping up to do anything for anybody. But then the other side of me is like, fuck that shit but that's not why i'm not president you know because i'd be like save everybody like that's not nice (laughs) well we've definitely done a lot i think it just came out a week or two ago that you know we've been providing a lot of intelligence to ukraine this led to like some absurd number of russian generals being killed my lord and we provided them i believe with the intelligence that got that russian flag warship blown up like we've been doing but then I'm like, We've been doing what, a lot. what does any of that even do? Are we just digging the hole more? Now someone's mad at us because we like killed their father and now they're stepping up to be general. Like, Yeah, that's my fear with the escalation. Is it seems like we're not helping yeah. damper the problem. Because really what we should have done is just, well, actually, I don't know. I what guess I would have maybe just like, sent some planes to pick some people up, sent some resources to the countries that have picked up refugees and just try to get everyone out instead of, like, blowing more people up. And just let Russia take Ukraine? I mean, that's why I'm not president. (laughs) I didn't say that was a bad idea. (laughs) Because I'm like, I mean, for me, not living there, not being connected to there, I'm like, yeah, give those, let them have that land. But also it's like, if I was from there, I'd be like, screw you, you can't have my land. So... I don't know. Trick question, because I don't really know the answer at all. Yeah, there's one line of thinking that if Russia does get Ukraine, they're not going to stop. Right, they'll just keep... I mean, naturally. Yeah. Because why would they? It worked. I don't know. My my worry is that everyone is so callous about going back into war. There's a lot of talk of, we should just engage with Russia, that we need to start providing these weapons so that ukraine can start attacking russia and again that freaks me out because that's a that's a big step and i don't think people realize that there would be a lot of casualty with yeah. that war well and not mean, just ukrainians i mean we haven't sent the world yeah but we haven't sent soldiers i mean afghanistan yeah but if we went to war with Russia, a lot of people would die. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I'm like, our country's not even healed from the fucking Vietnam War. and We're not even healed from COVID. And I'm like, let alone anything else that's come after that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people, like, nobody, people are not made for war or to be treated like machines in the face of war. I'm like, that's wild. And yeah, that's why I'm like, I feel like everyone was like, we don't know how to help you. Because none of us are in the position to go to World War Three, And it's crazy. The amount of money we're just throwing at the problem is ins- We're talking, I want to say $40 billion. The fake money. 
What fake money? Well, I'm just saying like oh, the, the money is of fake. Money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fake until you get to 40 billion, because 40 billion here could solve a lot of problems. I mean, we could we, do a lot yeah. of good. I think that's anybody a lot of money. that knows can agree that the military budget spent in this country is ridiculous for the amount of zero problem problem solving that it does. Yeah, right. I'm like all the money that goes to anyone that's like been a vet or like worked in the service, I'm there for that. I hope you're making all the money off America and fucking basically giving your mind and body to the country. We should be doing more for them. But a no lot contest. of it goes to like shit that I just don't think a lot of it goes to leaving weapons and and vehicles just around <laughs> yes yeah, it should be going to <laughs> like around. the vets or yeah and those no big contracts where these defense supplies i do remember get... that i had a spanish teacher in high school who was like a conspiracy and uh whenever she like wasn't really in the mood i guess to teach she would, she would like <laughs> she would show movies so we watched that movie that they made that was all about like these the government contracts and like uh, basically people like swindling the country out of money and it was all about them yeah like buying tanks and leaving them in the desert and or blowing them up on like no mission like trucks exploding or whatever and yeah i remember she she showed us that it's it's crazy it's insane we just there's no argument we waste money i think the military for better or worse does need a big budget I still believe in the idea of a big stick. I think I think that's a valuable concept. But we definitely waste a lot. And we yeah. don't take care of vets in the way that we should. Mm. And I don't think they get treated in the way that they should. Yeah, Because if you're willing to sacrifice, that's not just... Well, especially since, like, back in the day, you didn't even have a choice. Like, you would just get drafted if you were able-bodied of a certain For, age. For, like, World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like bro what i had dreams at least now you can make that decision you know if you're passionate about joining the military to some extent because you also don't have to be like out in the desert like you could be a tech person like there's lots of whatever so i'm like cool that's great you know you can make that choice but there's like whole generations of people that <laughs> got their like futures taken from them and the futures of their kids right yeah i mean they don't if they even had kids some of them were just boys what freaks me out is those burn pits that they had i don't know if it was in afghanistan or iraq but they would just burn all the waste from the bases you know yeah, and wild. it's soldiers out there burning it and they've got cancers and these diseases that are just insane because they're breathing in this this toxic air from this burn pit wild. and who who okayed that Who's like, you know what? I've got an idea. Of all the money we have, let's save some. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna create these burn pits. Oh God! And can I you think imagine what still that doing smells that. like? Oh. Not as bad as the cancer that's gonna develop in five minutes. Wild. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, not enough money to the vets. Not enough resources. Everybody needs therapy and all the other things after you go to war. I'm like, none of it's done well. Yeah, I don't know how you solve that problem either. I don't know. But I know going to war with Russia is not going to Yeah, yeah. That's not the, <laughs> well, moral that's, of the story. I don't know how to fix it, but I know yeah. that doing that is not going to help. Moral of the story, no war with Russia. Yeah. Wild.
but yeah, I was like, that's far away from where we started in this that's conversation. That's the beauty of the podcast. So <laughs> you get like, you, you start working in these different organic directions. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll pretty much like try to socially critique anything at any time, pretty much. That's a good quality to have. I guess. You seem very, <laughs> you seem very open. Yeah, I'm in a, a pretty... sense. At least open in the terms of conversation. Like, you don't seem like you're too hesitant to talk about a topic. No, no. I think, uh, yeah, I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy sharing knowledge. I enjoy, like, I really enjoyed, like, going to school and college and stuff. History is fun to me also. Um, when did you start getting involved in activism? When did that start taking up a place in your life? I think I was like 14. Oh, so young. Yeah. Is I that mean, normal? Is that when most people find it? Is I that... mean, quite frankly, be it a black person in general, person of color, you tend to have moments to be an activist, like for yourself in a way, often. Um, and kind of like stand up for yourself or recognize when things are like weird, you know, more so, I think, than... A dominant identified person but um i was in an art group it was like an after school program and the whole premise was like using art for change and so that being in that group opened a lot of conversations for me and also like supported my ideas that like i already had around people not all being treated the same or whatever and uh it was like a video group so I would like would make movies and like collab with these other kids of color. And um, it was like a dope little resource. And it morphed into some other groups I got involved with. And um, another group I was in was like a hip hop theater group. And it was all like based in activism. And so we would use a lot of time researching and finding out about revolutions and finding out about, you know, unpopular revolutionaries you know um really learning about the black panther party and you know the black activists in the 60s that weren't martin luther king jr and um really doing this like full scope of how different people interacted and uh influenced like different cultural moments especially like for black justice and then it just kind of meshed well like I've always kind of been someone that's willing to talk and like stand up for other people. Um, I was like always the loud kid and being like, that's not cool. Stop that. Whatever. So I think it like having that skill and then being able to have like resources for knowledge, it kind of just like went together. And, and I'm like, I'm not even like an activist. I think I just have a low tolerance for injustice and I'm willing to speak about it or create a platform for other people to speak about it if that makes sense yeah I think that's a good quality to have I think being open to conversation and closed off to bullshit I guess you could say I think that's good I think that's good yeah I mean some people are outspoken some people aren't and I think you know use the tools you're given when when you can were you involved in anything in college? Yeah. So high school, those groups I was in in high school transcribed into college and in, in just a different way. And then I actually graduated from college 
and I was doing media production. And then I turned around and I actually worked at that organization that housed me (laughs) in high school. And so I worked there for like five years. And that was uh, while I was getting my bachelor's. So I had my associates. I was getting my bachelor's. I worked for that organization. And they would like send me to conferences. And I would like link with all these different kind of like arts-based social justice entities. And so it's just been a topic for a while. And it works. You've been kind of immersed in that world for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have like some dope connects. I have some really great friends. Um and and I like be to be able to like provide that cushion for to hold people, you know, I mean, not physically, but like, you know, men- you know, mentally in all the ways they need to be held. Right. Uh, because I like help. I can understand their struggle or like the need that they have. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of always just been happening. What do you make of that? That stigma around the social justice warrior and that branding? Um, it's funny you say that because I, I believe there are levels to it. Um, and it's funny you say that cause I think it kind of plays into how earlier we were talking about like how some black folks are like, don't date white people. It kind of like plays into that too, where there's like conceptions of the black community that like go against the social justice warrior, like sphere of like correctness or whatever. Um, but it's like a part of black culture. So it's like one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do. Like in what ways? Well, like, like hip hop music. So like in the social justice warrior of correctness, like I'm not listening to any hip hop because it degrades women or like, you know, they're talking about super homophobic, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, my job as a social justice advocate is to recognize those things and notice how they cause harm. But I can absolutely enjoy this song. You know, I don't need to like go repeat these words or like teach my kids the lyrics to this song, but I think I should be able to enjoy it like at a dance party or something or um, same thing, like culturally the word bitch, like we, you use that like that's my bitch oh what up bitch like you know you just say excuse me if i'm not supposed to swear no you can say okay (laughs) i was like oh wait hold on you're good you know what i mean that's like another thing like culturally we use that word but in the grand scheme of like the social justice warrior like you don't call anybody any like anything out of their name even if it's reclaimed um and same thing like in the gay community a lot of the slurs that you use towards the gay community like have been reclaimed in and same thing with the n-word right like something that's been reclaimed but in a social justice context like it should just be thrown out the window and um we were talking about this in my house the other day because um it's easy i think for people to like kind of take it and run and like not let people like be human or make error get a little too crazy in the yeah in the like sphere of being like well i'm a social justice warrior like you can never mess up or you can never have a flaw or like be human in having to relearn things. You know what I mean? Like we're always relearning. Everything <laughs> is coming to light that it's not great. You know, a lot of the things we've normalized and like we're all relearning. And I think there needs to be space like to understand that, you know, I mean, if I'm not being obviously like cruel, you know what I mean? Like in a way, like, I don't know. It's complex. I'm glad you said that because that is a perspective you don't really hear that often. 
Most people yeah. ride on that that cliff edge of oh no, we got to ban we got to ban rap music because it's degrading women. It's yeah. it's letting certain words fly that shouldn't be said. And I think that I mean, is it great? No, but is the music great? Yeah, I mean, some of those songs are yeah. are really good and have a lot of significance. Well, and I, think I we bring up stipulate yeah. your freedom of expression. You know, yeah, and I I mean, I brought up the cultural significance because it's generally something along those lines that why it's sticking. You know, like why we still talk like that, or you know, why we rap music still exists as a and why whole. it's so popular. You know, and it's like it, there's levels always to everything right Layers. yeah some people just get too extreme and it's like okay we need and some people are, are under extreme you could say it's like we yeah. just need to find a happy a happy medium well i think you know everyone's at a different place with learning stuff everyone's at a different place with kind of like deciding who they are what they rock for and i mean if we really are social justice warriors we're just like making space for listening to people like and sharing our opinion in a way that doesn't like demoralize or like you, you know people this cancel culture is like another thing like oh we're so ready to just be like you're canceled you're gone we're never talking about you again because you made a mistake one time and i think it was um the baby he's like a rapper he well let's be real it was his pr team but he like did something homophobic and uh everyone was like you're canceled and his pr team like went on his social media and was like i wish someone would like tell me what I did wrong and then like give me some resources so that I can like not be an asshole instead of just being like you're canceled which I feel two ways about it because one like you know damn well what you said but also two like you right whoever did teach you like how to be a part of like a part of or inclusive of the LGBT community like maybe I doubt someone gave you those tools as like a hetero black man of your age um so i'm like he's right but he's also you know like he's wrong because he knows damn well he shouldn't have said that but it, he has a really good point of like how it all works yeah what do you make of cancel culture because that's a that's another dynamic that kind of gets folded into the social justice yeah scheme i think basically like you've got basically like three chances maybe not three depending on three what you strikes did. and you're out We're kind going of rules. kind of and i also am like Nobody's ever truly canceled, right? So, like, even someone I used to be, like, best friends with, where maybe we had a falling out or, like, maybe we're not as close anymore. It's, like, you don't not exist to me anymore. Like, if I see you, we're still in community together, especially, like, in this tiny little community. Like, I'm going to see you at the grocery store or at the farmer's market. So, it's, like, I always wave and say hello, but, you know, maybe I don't want to sit down and have the picnic with you, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And I kind of feel like that way with famous people. It's like you can cancel whoever you want. There's always somebody that still likes that person. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but I think it, it stems more into the monetary aspect of bringing them down. Right? Yeah. Well, it's like so. It's if, not so much they don't exist. It's I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. gonna to tear down your life. And you can still exist, but you're going you're gonna to suffer. I want to watch you suffer. I know, but suffer. let's be real. So like. Chick-fil-A, you know, we don't shop at Chick-fil-A. They're anti-queer. I'm a queer person. Or, like, Hobby Lobby. I do not shop at Hobby Lobby. What's up with Hobby Lobby? They're, like, also just, like, super Anglo, 
uh, Christian queers are bad type folks. Um, so I don't really shop there either, but that's an easy thing to do because lots of things like Hobby Lobby exist. And, um, I'm also, but I'm also like, they have no idea that I stopped shopping there. Like it does not affect them. Whereas like the same thing could be said as for the Nike shoe. Like we said earlier, I was like, just thinking that the as same you were thing about that. falls into it. It's like, I could choose to not buy Nikes anymore, which I should do. Will they notice? No, but my social justice warrior conscious will be feel better. But do I? No, because I value the Nike shoe more than I value Hobby Lobby or Chick-fil-A. Crazy. It's a weird separation that we make of, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to compromise on this, but I'll I'll make, I'm going to adjust on this one. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I think cancel culture worries me for sure. It definitely worries me. It's I think your approach of, okay, we need to talk and provide these resources and just have a conversation with the person. I think that's a far better route than well, at least we're like, just going to shit on them for, for what the first yeah. time. Like that's a good point, right? If they keep doing the thing is, is we are people and we're always learning Yeah. and to expect that somebody's going to be perfect a hundred percent of the time is, is ridiculous. That reminds me of the Will Smith slap. Yeah. Did you see that? Yes, I saw it. When I first saw that, I was like, fuck Will Smith. That guy's a piece of shit. That was a bitch move. We should, like, you can't just go slap somebody because you got offended and all. And I was kind of just shitting on him in my head. I wasn't really talking to anybody about it. But in my head, I was shitting on him. And I really liked him. I thought he was a great actor. I thought, you know, he's an extremely motivational guy. I watched a lot of his videos that are out online in regards to his motivational talks and stuff. And... I, it just flipped and yeah. I was like fuck this guy you can't do that that is you can't do that that's and then as I kind of progressed I started thinking about it and I was like yes it's definitely not okay he shouldn't have done that that was not that's not justifiable and that was a man in a moment of weakness who I think is severely struggling mm-hmm. yeah I but, do think it reflects that he's not okay but I don't think I can hold that over him for the rest of his life because he fucked up and I fucked up a lot in my life. And I, you know, if somebody looked at who I was or the things that I've done, they might have conceptions about me. And I'm sure everybody could say that. And yet we all want that forgiveness and the acceptance of, okay, I'm a different person today than I was yesterday. And I'm trying to be a better person tomorrow. And I think that I started extending that to him when I realized, okay, we all make mistakes. It was fucked up. Shouldn't have happened, but he fucked up. Yeah. And now if he goes out and does it again, then you could say, oh, okay, this is now, yeah. that's. See, I think both of them fucked up. Like, Will, you absolutely reacted before you thought. But also, like, Chris Rock, <laughs> stop shitting on people for things they can't control. Like, make But he's a comedian. To be fair, yeah, it wasn't (laughs) the best joke. It wasn't the best joke. I mean, it's. I just feel like as a comedian, your job is to make jokes about, like, you know, things we all experience. But to be like, ha, 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 you're bald because you have a disease. I just think that's, like, borderline not that funny. That's like being like, ha, ha, you're fat. Or, ha, ha, like, your hair's purple or something. And, And, I mean, I don't know. It'd be one thing if, like... She was dressed also like 
she was in Mad Max or something. I don't know. G.I. Jane. Oh, yeah, that's what he said. But Mad Max also. Works, head. works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlize Theron. Um, but I just feel like it could have been better executed. And It definitely could have been a better joke. And it then, wasn't great. And then it was also just like, I don't know. There was just a number of things where I'm like, both y'all out of pocket. Like, Will Smith, sit down. You cannot just smack people. It'd be one thing, too, if they were, like, close to each other and he kind of, like, reacted or something. But he, like, got up out of his seat and, like, walked up to go and chris rock was not expecting and he's like he just stood there and but i'm also like don't come out your mouth about anybody that's what happens like when you say things about people that are not desirable or yeah but that still doesn't justify violence right if i say something and it makes you mad one thing if he pulled a gun like he got smacked with like four fingers on yeah but what if that was a girl that made that joke and Will Smith slapped her. That would be I a mean, problem. she I agree he that shouldn't be, be hitting anybody, but when you open your mouth to talk about people, you're creating a space for them to react to what you said. Oh, and I, I agree. think that's fair. I agree with that 100%. And I'm just saying that I'm not saying either of them are right or wrong. I'm just saying that both of them did a thing that could could be a reaction because Chris Rock could have hit Will Smith back. Also, like you know what I mean. Like they all, they both reacted. They could have reacted. Excuse me. Will Smith did react, and I think he reacted poorly. But I'm also like, if that was a stranger on the street who was like, "Yo, your face sucks," you have the potential to get hit. Like for saying that. Like maybe it's w- different because they're where they were or like who they are, but. Well, I think it's even if it was a guy just walking down the street. You just always it's have the problem. potential. To yeah, but be that like, doesn't, that's not a justification, right? The well, potential. I didn't say it justified it. I'm just saying that when you do something towards someone, anything can happen in response. Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people say around free speech, right? You have the freedom to say whatever you want to say, but you also better be prepared someone to deal with Someone could come and just kick you. Like, <laughs> Which I don't. <laughs> In no way. Which I don't think it's right. And that's why, like, so say I was, like, talking trash on somebody on the street corner or whatever. <laughs> Someone comes and beats me up. And I'm like, damn, yo, you beat me up because I was being cruel to you. I'm upset about it. Now I'm going to press charges against you. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I think Will Smith, I think Chris Rock should have done something against Will Smith. Press some charges because you can't set that precedent that, this is okay. Yeah. I also think we have no idea what kind of relationship they have with each other. So I'm like, this. I can't imagine it's good after that. Well, no, I just mean in general, like, this could have been something boiling between them for a while. So, like, Chris knew he was, like, extra pushing the button when but he said it. But that was such a tame joke. I mean, he could have said some, some wild stuff about her in August or any number of things, and he went with a G.I. Jane. I mean, how long have guys been clowned for being bald? Like, I thought that was just a light, light thing. Yeah, I mean. And to slap on live TV like <laughs> that isn't smart. <laughs> that is so crazy. For all them, all of these people. That I'm, is so crazy. I'm I also like, Will Smith's in a whole pl- place. I don't know. He's like in the fifth dimension. In terms of just where he is in life? Yeah, like, I think... Yeah, he's definitely not on... Like, we're on a different level yeah, than Will I'm Smith. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what he's doing. He's on this path of, like, revelation and finding himself. I think he needs to cut out Jada to find himself. I think I think there's some <gasps> toxicity going oh, on man. there. The table. 
Do you watch those? Uh, sometimes. I have not. Wa- I've heard that some of them are pretty good, but I. I mean, I think it's it's great and it's transformational just because they're having these intergenerational conversations that like most people are not having surrounding mental health or like mental health awareness. And I think that's good. But I have not seen them all. I've just seen some and like I see clips on social media and stuff. I think their relationship is a is a prime example of her that one and the one with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. I think those are prime examples of what can happen if you're not with the right person and you guys are just kind of toxic for each other. Uh, it does not play out well. I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends. I mean, I feel like those are very different situations because oftentimes we forget that Will Smith and Jada were not together when she had a relationship with whatever his name was. August. Her entanglement. Is that yeah, what she called it? Yeah, that's what she <laughs> called entanglement. it. Entanglement. That's like, girl, you know you toxic when you said entanglement. Um, but, you know, I think we forget a lot of details of like, you know, I think they are an example of people trying to figure it out, but like in a somewhat healthy manner. And Is then, it healthy like, though? I think, th- I don't think it's all Jada's fault. I think Will has probably been toxic too i mean he was a huge movie star i can't imagine that yeah the home life was was stellar you could just you could be a great person and you could be with somebody and your pairing is just toxic it's not necessarily one person or the other it's it's your two personalities coming together that just does not click just doesn't fit right i feel that i think that's a problem a lot of people fall into yeah it can be hard to even know what's really ever happening with anyone that lives in the public light as well. Yeah, because we only get that one perspective, right? Yeah. Cause like, and I'm how pretty... hard is that, living in the public light like that? <laughs> I, If I ever was a famous person, I would absolutely want to be like an aliased black, uh, <laughs> uh, famous person. Uh, like the people that like wear masks or like the gorillas. Like Marshmallow. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah the gorillas. Like you don't even Another know prime example. What, how tall they are. I mean, no, there's some, some of their music videos, they like pop up in Oh, do they? I, would, I always thought it was animated. There's one, well, they are animated, but there is this one music video they have, which maybe this technique happens in other ones, but uh, there's like a television and it keeps like staticking through channels and it's the people, actual people rapping. And so you get like this little glimpse of like what they could possibly look like. Um, but generally, yeah, they're those like animations. Can you see their faces in that? It's kind of like blurry, but you, I don't think their aliases are like completely secret. Locked down. You know okay. what I mean? But I think that people just don't even go the extra mile to like. That really... would be the way to do it, where yeah. you could still walk outside and have some anonymity. Yeah. And just be a normal person. Yeah. Just for a little while. Yeah. Just going to the grocery store. Cutting your lawn. Yeah. Just do normal things no instead of knows. having a camera on you 24-7. God, I can't even imagine. I think that definitely messes you up. I don't, I don't know if it could not. Absolutely. Yeah, I was like, absolutely. I mean. Just I guess, think about how much public attention, that, how many yeah. eyes, how many comments, how many I think it depends, too. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, medium-level famous people, like lead somewhat normal or left alone lives like like news reporters like lower level stuff or i was thinking even like uh who's a good one oh geez i don't know i don't know who but like a re- like a famous person in movies pixar i don't know whatever disney but they just like never fully took off 
you know, but they're making like good de- or ready. Um, have you ever seen Even Stevens? Yeah. The sister from Even Stevens. Prime example. That is a great example. She's making like YouTube videos or she something though now. She makes good money. She probably has a tiny following of fans that, yeah, like yeah. watch her YouTube. So she's still like making good money. But not... she could go out in public and be fun. Hell yeah. At the grocery store right Shia now. Shia LaBeouf. That guy's going to get yeah. mobbed, mobbed everywhere. The women are mad at him. Oh, are they? Why? He was like being abusive to Sia. And then again to KF, what's her name? FKG Twigs or something. Oh, whoa. <laughs> we're just throwing out letters now. FKG Twigs? What? FK. Her name is something like that. She's an artist, uh, a singer. I. FW something. She has an acronym with Twigs in her name somewhere like that. Um, some someone knows who I'm talking about. But they all like came out and were like, Shia doesn't have like he needs to pay attention to his mental health and he needs to take care of himself. Um, otherwise, he has like these abusive tendencies and um yeah that's, i didn't know that that's what they were saying he did you ever see the movie fury that came out with him and brad pitt and logan Lerman? i don't think so pretty good movie oh wait. world war Two. Oh no they're like a that. tank no. unit i read an article back when that came out that he was like super hard to work with and oh, that everybody man. on set hated him. Him and Brad Pitt, I think, almost got into a fight Psh. on set. He wasn't showering or something in order to prepare and like yeah. was, you know, Just, method acting. That's what I was say. Everyone has these issues with these method actors because I'm pretty who's sure that... that other, who's that other guy that always comes up with method acting? He played uh, the Joker. Yeah, I was going to say um, Jay Leto. Jared Leto. They had like complaints about him and then I guess Joaquin Phoenix also does great it. actor though that uh, guy notice is how every phenomenal. method actor is it's crazy amazing an amazing actor and crazy and i think all of those people, and also not Joaquin fully Phoenix there. seems like he might be the only one that's like have okay, you, you seen his mockumentary no oh my god <laughs> go watch the, the walking phoenix mockumentary it's uh raising phoenix is is that what it's called god i don't know that might be an actual movie of his but ultimately it's about a famous person that goes crazy, but he's trying to say like, this is his life. Like, this is what it's like to like be in the shoes of walking Phoenix. And like, this is what my day to day life is like. But you later find out not in the movie, but just like through articles and stuff about it, that it is, it's basically like a spoof on the life of a crazy actor or a famous person and he just does wild stuff in this mockumentary. And he was saying, hey, this is my life. But he was like, hey, like like the cameras are following him around like it's a real documentary. And I'm absolutely sure it's a social critique from Joaquin Phoenix because he's a genius. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. Great actor. That guy's been in yeah. so many. Incre- the Joker, Walk the Line. Oh, yeah. Gladiator. He's just pretty great. I like him a lot. He's in this other movie. I can't think of what it's called, but it's really sad. His son passes away like as a baby or something. It's very sad. Um, but he's great. We love him. Did you know his brother was actually the star when they were growing up? Yes. His brother was super famous. Yeah, I knew that actually. River, or, R- I think it might have been River. And he's passed away. He died. Yes. He died when they were his young. Sons, yeah. I think it was River. Fe- River? Well, 
yeah, I guess his name would River? be Phoenix. But I want to say, yeah, that his name was River. Something, or something, something like that. out there like <laughs> that. Body of water. Yeah, and he was famous. I want to say he died late teens, early twenties, yeah, maybe something, something young. Horrible. And then Joaquin kind of stepped into the light. Great actor. Yeah, great actor. I agree. I think he's great. The last Joker was. It made me hurt for him. I always had a soft spot for the Joker because I was like, he's not well. We know why he does what he does. But Joaquin like really brought it somewhere else where I was like, this poor man. He don't have nobody to check on him or nothing. Like nobody knows this man is like deteriorating. You kind of empathize with the guy, yeah. right? When Did you ever see the one with Heath Ledger? Yes. Another great actor. Awesome. Another probably he was crazy a method guy. actor too and look there's a him. theme there's a I theme know. i think uh ethan hawking is also a method actor he's like from the mechanic him. okay or the machinist what is that movie where he like scrubs the floor with bleach because he's like ocd I, I think the mechanic is jason's day okay so well it's the like the one of those machinist maybe something like that with an m I don't know. I'm bad at movie titles. He's another one good one. I can't pay. I can. He. I can't picture the face. I'm like, what else was he yeah. in? I don't know. In the movie I'm talking about, he's like crazy small and petite, and like he lost all this weight and like went through this transformation to have this role. I think you have to go to a dark place to be that good of an actor. You have to really be able to disassociate from who you are as a person yeah and take on this new I I know identity like, talking about Shia LaBeouf I've God, heard I love him too. horrible things about him but he's an amazing actor like and he used to just be that annoying kid on uh even Stevens like I great kinda, TV show I, though I, I great TV, TV show Stevens. I did but I like hated his little like squeal he would do all the time and I'd be like oh and then he grew up to be like a very handsome man and a good actor and it's like, whoa, Shia LaBeouf, 360. I wonder if they could... It would be interesting to see them track a child star, like almost like a video diary type yeah. compilation of them as a child through adulthood. Because there's no way, not only the public spotlight of having everybody critique everything you do all the time, but pouring yourself into those roles and especially yeah. dark ones like or the Joker. like a child it's like uh maybe i've never even felt this emotion before <laughs> and i or have to emulate it that kid i read in another article that that kid from the shining was pretty messed up i believe after doing oh, that yeah that that took a toll on him because i read a lot of crazy things about the shining uh oh it, about the guy that wrote it or directed it uh just like in general on like the what they were doing during filming and stuff and uh how like that actress who was the mom she didn't know about a lot of the things that were supposed to happen or like they purposely left out information so they could get like genuine fear from her and so she like was done filming this movie and was like what the fuck i'm traumatized <laughs> maybe it was her. maybe i'm thinking of her that would be so fucked up though Hey, we're going to just just be ready for this scene. We're not going to tell you what happens, but you'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think they even said that. I think they were literally like, okay, like you're going to run down the hall. You're going to scream. You're going to lock the door and like sit on the floor. And then because uh, they the article I was reading was talking about the scene where Jack Nicholson is like, hitting. here's Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sh they were like, just stay there against the wall. And then 
the axe came. And so naturally she was like, what the fuck? And they were like, great shot. Like, <laughs> could you imagine? Hey, just lock the door and, and then we'll end the, we'll cut. We'll yeah. wrap the scene. And somebody starts beating down the door with an axe. An axe. I would be shitting my pants. She probably did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they probably took a couple takes. They're like, well, the first one, you know, could you not release any body fluids yeah, and we'll yeah. be okay? <laughs> I would be willing to bet that Jack Nicholson is another method actor because that guy seems a little crazy too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. And he's pff, had some great roles. So, and he's he's done a little bit of everything. Maybe there's something to that. I mean. If you want to get to that level. Yeah, if you can. I mean, I can imagine as a method actor, you can unlock like you said, some dark places or some like untapped areas in your brain, but then it's like, how do you put it away? How do you put it away? How do you come back from that? Do you think they lose part of their identity? I know. And doing that, right? Because if you're taking on these other roles and pretending to be these other people, do you think that at some point or like, you wh- start wondering, who the, who yeah, the fuck who am, am I? I? Yeah. Or Where like, do I come into do play in this? Do you lock away yourself in some little like most method actors will become that character. So I'm filming for six the months. The whole time. I'm six months. I'm whoever the hell I'm supposed Go to Go by that name. Walk yeah. like that person. Everything. And then it's like, how do you, like you said, come back? So it's like, do I then? I'm like, boop. There's okay, now I'm, I'm back. Again. I'm yeah. back. Like, scene. How do you relearn your mannerisms too, right? Crazy. That would be interesting. Or like, if you have this category now, like this catalog of characters that you like. Can just switch yeah. to in a moment. Yeah. I'm going to be Fred today. Yeah, exactly. It was fun. We're just going to be this person. Jared Leto. He's like, I'll be the Joker today. Beep. Let's go. Yeah, that guy, he's another one that's a little out there. Yeah, but a little little out there. Yeah, he's good. Wasn't that the, what was it? It wasn't Justice League. It was Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Uh, I mean, okay. Uh, I liked it, but. When you compare it to Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, you're like, oh. I mean, you got to step it up. Completely different cinematic universe. Let's be real. True. True. God, the Joker, though, was so good. That standalone movie. Well, if you think about it, too, I mean, Batman in general, they do this all the time where they're like, some of this is an action. Sometimes it's an action movie. Sometimes it's like a drama. Sometimes it's like this cartoon-esque, like comic book reiteration, like Suicide Squad, like bright colors and whatever. And they did that with the Joker and the Batman. The new Batman? So, like, the new Batman is the it? drama. I have not. Oh, I've heard good things. I haven't but seen it's it like yet. a dramatic, dark kind of. I've heard of it's way darker than the like other ones. Like, reflection on Batman, which I don't know if you are a comic book reader, but there's like a series of comic book, uh, Batman comic books that are graphic novels. And they're like very much like dark and dramatic and like a more mature storyline of batman and like it's super intentional with like the like the lettering and the illustrations are like very adult and dark or whatever so that's what i feel like these heath ledger and walking phoenix joker and like whatever uh the man and the batman is now i don't know his name robert pattinson okay i was like i just know he's from twilight um but the vampire guy yeah the vampire guy Whereas, like, who was Batman just recently? Uh, Brad Ben Pitt? Affleck. Oh, Ben Affleck. That's his name. I was like, one of those hunks from the 90s. Uh, he was, like, at the action one. Like, same thing, like, Rubber Nipples, Kevin, uh, Michael Keaton. Like, just, like, Old school. Sh- like, the, like, you know, like an action movie. Did you ever see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I don't think so. That's a 
great movie. That's like about... It's about this actor who has this, you know, hit TV show and then kind of starts going away and he starts kind of fading and his career's not really going anywhere and then he gets... I'm not doing this any justice. I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I'm going to keep talking. (laughs) And then he goes, he kind of picks back up steam and it's just, the setting is Hollywood back in the 80s, I believe. Hmm. It's just a really, Quentin Tarantino movie. Are you familiar with any of his films? Well, yeah, I love Tarantino. I think I, this is like kind of new. I think it came out in 2018. So relatively, yeah. yeah, So I kind of fell off Tarantino. Okay, why? Another I, crazy guy, but is great at what he does. I know, I know. Maybe, you know, artistry is <laughs> tied to mental mental wellness. But um, I fell off of him for a number of reasons. I felt like his storylines were just kind of falling off and repeating themselves, which obviously, you know, everyone might have some bad, some lows and everyone has some highs. So I could have just seen something that I was like, eh. This isn't for me um, because like most things of his I love, like Pulp Fiction, Great, Great movie. Kill Bill. Um, and and then a lot of um, the newer things. Yeah, he was having. I just I just wasn't really there for them. And so I did not see that one. But now that you say it's Tarantino, I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, that was that movie I remember coming out. And uh, yeah, I just I just feel like maybe. His his time has come and gone, but maybe I should see that movie. I would recommend that one. That it was a pretty good movie. It was a pretty good movie. Okay. It's worth checking it out. All right. I mean, now with the streaming capabilities, it's like it ain't a thing to watch a movie. I know. How great is that? Yeah, I love that. Actually, how can we have war when you can just stream whatever you want? I know. How are you upset when there's like? Why are we fighting? Yeah. Just give everybody some internet. Yeah, my cell phone and if everyone could have some internet, some food. Maybe everyone doesn't have to work 40 hours a week anymore. and uh, That would be nice. Yeah, or even just like a smooth four-day work week. It's weird that we settled on five, right? That we just decided, okay, there's seven days in a week, and you know what? We're going to work, work five. Most of them, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the idea was that the people at the top are working 10 days a week while the rest of us are, or excuse me, 10 days a year. I was going to say 10 days a week. We're on a different time. Yeah. Here. He's like, where do you live? Um, yeah. Like 10 days a year, maybe a month a year they work. And then the people under them, you know, they get three months and then all the way down to the entry level, we have to do the five days. I hope that with all this automation, I think we have the potential to get to a spot where a lot of people don't have to work as much. Yeah. I think that's really possible. And I think go too, back, like remote working people. Just makes sense. Yeah. Why, why go sit in an office in a cubicle that's two feet by two feet and you're, you're just cramped and, and hating life when you could just work at home and yeah. do the same, as long as you can do the same job and it's not, if you're a plumber. Yeah, exactly. You can't really that do that. Make yeah. Sense. But exactly. If you're a computer person, especially like, I used to go to the office and I would just sit there a lot of the time, play on my phone a little bit, waiting for someone to call, waiting for an email to drop or like, you know, I'd get to work and the first two hours I'd be like super busy because I'm finishing things up and then I'd be like waiting, you know, for someone to respond or something where it's like I'm at home. So I'll be like, oh, okay, like I'll clean the kitchen or something. And then 
at the end of the day, I'll go back on the computer. Like I'll still do my eight hours, but it's not like the eight hour chunk where I, when I'm in the office, I'm like anything that happens between nine and five, like I'm working on today. Whereas when I'm at home, I'm like, I can do all the functions. And then at the end of the day, I can like spend my two hours that I have left from the day or whatever, get doing whatever, you know, yeah, hang with your kids, just being happy. Yeah. Book, doing I'm like, something. I can go for a walk right now. Oh, yeah. nothing's happening. I think I'll go for a walk or I'll make lunch or like, it just makes sense. There's no reason as long as, you know, people can manage getting their work done and can do it from home. Productivity has probably gone up because oh, people bet. are like having snacks and like not don't have to wake up to like catch the bus to go to work. I or... think they said back towards the beginning, beginning, beginning of COVID when it happened that people were actually working more because they were at home. Well, I'm not going to lie. I fell into that trap as well where I was like. But it was like, what else can you do? What you can couldn't I leave do? your house. Like I so... can't leave. There's nothing to do. And then when it got a little bit nicer out, it'd be like, oh, okay, like. I'm gonna like go to the river or something, but for the most part, it'd be like there's nothing to do. Like, might as well work. I'm just gonna work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or it's like I don't really feel that great today, but why am I gonna take the day off if I can like work from bed anyways? Yeah, we would definitely have to watch out for that, right? Because you wouldn't want the workplace to start encroaching on your home life. Well, where it's like okay, well now it's a Saturday. I guess I could work because I'm just sitting at home. Yeah. You don't want to get to that point because then we're going back to those. 10 day work weeks (laughs) no i agree i also was a victim to that too Mm -hmm. where like having an office there was boundaries like i did not look at my work email all weekend my one of my board members used to always be like mo you have the best boundaries and i'd be like yeah because once i leave this building i'm gone i'm gone like i'm not thinking about y'all until tomorrow morning this world doesn't exist to me anymore nope and then and all weekend, it's, it's gone. And then, like, the pandemic started, so I got, like, the email app on my phone and stuff. And I'm like, oh, no. Where are the boundaries? Where does it end? And it gets addicting. I don't know about for you, but for me, I, I can easily slip into where I'm just checking my email all day. Oh, yeah. It yeah. Just, it's a weird endorphin rush of, oh, I got, I got to respond yeah. to this email. Oh, let right? me read oh, this. Let there's me no time. This. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That exists in my We would life. have to watch out. Yeah. For that. That would be a big one. We're souped up on productivity. Always. Well, it's ingrained in us, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think being productive, if you find something fulfilling that, that entails pro- that productivity, yes, that's the key. Uh, that is the key. Yeah, doing recognize being that productive to be productive. Yeah, productive. You could be taking a nap. Productive. Can be right. Yeah, absolutely. Working twenty three hours cannot be productive yeah yeah like, right? you know, <laughs> technically speaking it's productive but it's actually not yeah yeah. Real. yeah i i think we could manage that though and i think that's a good start is just let people work from home there's yeah. no reason it saves office overhead well yeah that's it another saves, thing. yeah yeah money low on cost yeah low cost people are working from home or as long as they have the stuff everyone's wi-fi bill or half of it say. or provided a computer for them yeah. if they didn't have one or i think those are yeah less expenses then i think i think it's a good step i mean some of the tech companies are i know sticking with that i think twitter's oh yeah staying all these places that are like all our people work on commuters we don't exist if anywhere. you just have a programming job why yeah you're just gonna go to work to sit on your computer when you could sit on your yeah, computer and all, what, what does, how does that make sense <laughs> they just like send you a card for printing every now and then yeah well you don't need to be in the office yeah. you're okay maybe once a week you could do a team meeting i guess that would yeah. make sense i will say though that 
everyone has different like learning or work styles. So like for people that are like, I like <laughs> some people are like, don't get anything done at home. Cause they're like, I'm distracted. So I feel for those people and like needing in-person meetings or something like that. But yeah, like twice a week, that's not bad. Everyone comes to the office twice, a, twice a week. We'll have that's all the meetings good. we need and then that's it. Yeah. I think this is a start. I think as long as that sticks around, I think it would be a good start. Yeah, I agree. I think we do need to get to a point, you know, with AI and with automation, I think we could do a lot of good. Because there's no reason to work if you don't have to, right? We would have to figure out a different monetary system. Yeah, or, exactly. You know, universal basic income has been thrown around. But, but I'm wouldn't like, that be better for everybody? But then I'm kind of like, if we're doing universal income... Why even have the money to begin with? Like, basically, you like everyone gets like maybe you turn eighteen, right, and you get a job. Or I had a job when I was fifteen. That was cool, and and there was like regulations. I couldn't work more than like twenty hours or something. But like, I don't know. I don't know how it would work. Like, you get a you get a chip or something, or like a bracelet that says like I'm in the club. I can come to the grocery store. Like, I contribute, so I should get stuff. But I'm like. If everyone makes the same amount of money, I guess I'm just confused why it exists. Like, why can't you just go everywhere then and get what you need? Well, money's a weird thing. I, I mean, know. When you start diving into that wormhole, it's easy to get lost. Because I'm like, if we all can afford everything, then <laughs> what's the point? And the idea, I think the government printed 70% of all the money in circulation in the past three years. Like in during COVID, they yeah. printed like seventy percent of what? We could just print this, and we're gonna give forty billion dollars away, and we can't yeah see? use I don't know maybe a billion to fix up schools and fix up the roads. Anything, that would be great. The roads, yeah. Provide some after school support. Do something. Something. The Free fact education. That teachers How about that? make like thirty thousand dollars a year. Kind of crazy. And they work for like seven hours a day and then they have on top of that like four hours of prep and finish stuff. Like And they don't have enough money to buy And they have markers. no money. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have to buy their school supplies themselves. They do fundraisers. Like Come on. Ridiculous. We could fix that. Ridiculous. Print Just, the money. Yeah. Print the money. <laughs> we know you can. We've seen yeah, it yeah. now. Or three D print them all the supplies they need. <laughs> what do you think about that all that artificial intelligence stuff? Are you familiar with any of that? I mean, not really. I mean, it's coming. I can't help. It's already here. Exactly. Yeah. Have you seen... They have those cars that drive themselves. Well, have you seen... uh, It's Kendrick Lamar's new music video. Oh, where he's switching The hard part? Oh, my God. (laughs) Have you seen that? I have to look at my phone because I have children. I did not see the music video. I saw everyone on the internet talking about it, of course, because Kendrick's the goat. But, um, I, I mean, it's just... Uh, have you ever seen um oh my god i can't even think of the name now but it's basically about ci informants it's an old school show it's like from the early 2000s but they talk about racial uh facial recognition software and like that kendrick lamar is like exactly that they like took someone's face and put it on his face oh it's crazy it's will smith it's uh jesse smollett it's oh yeah and then he's jay-z jay-z he uh, is um he's oj oj i I could not think of oj's name for some oh my god it's crazy i saw that and i realized oh yeah we're at a point now where you're not going to be you already couldn't trust everything online 
But now you can't even trust videos. Because oh, somebody's yeah. going to record a video of the Biden saying some wild shit. Or like, um, I think about, have you seen AI? Speaking of Will Smith. Uh-uh. You've never seen AI? I have not seen AI. Oh my gosh. That's like class. I guess I don't know how old you are, but that's like. I'm only 24, so I'm I'm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, because I'm 31. So okay. Like, little gap there. So, it was a movie out when I was probably like 10 or 13. And uh, it's all about how society is leaning on robots, AI, artificial intelligence for everything, like police officers. Is this iRobot? Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, not AI. I was yeah, going to yeah. say. Okay. AI like, is another one, like, though, is where that... oh, that's another artificial movie. intelligence basically gets adapted to the point that they have a subconscious and they try to take over. You know, the human race. But well, iRobot. The same thing happens. The police cop that's coming goes rogue. That's coming, and they're like, "How the hell did that robot go rogue?" And Will Smith is like, "I've been telling you all that the robots are going rogue, and or no one." Ex Machina. Have you seen that one? Scared me. Yeah, yeah, I that one that freaked one. me out when um, I saw that. All of that. I'm like, why? It's, it, if it's not here, it's gonna be here. Yeah, or like they did the. There's been like a UFO convention that happened, and the for gov- Congress, right? Yeah, and uh, what's your take on that? I mean, we all knew it to be true. Let's be real. Like, there's it, just thinking in the scheme of like science and how big space is. There's no fucking You're way we're me, the only people. It's it's or constantly organisms. expanding, but this is the only planet that in anything billions of billions of billions of planets. Yeah. No, this is the only one that has life. That's exactly. It, it just, just doesn't. It's just empty. Doesn't compute, especially if they're trying to say that like there's multiple universes that mimic ours and so then it would be safe to assume there is an earth there that houses organisms or and whatever. multiple parallel universes is what they're saying too yeah so, oh. so i'm like i knew we weren't alone and my thing was like they were all like uh at one point they're like it's been over a hundred sightings of things in the air that we do not have the technology to support. Like, we don't know how it's happening, whatever. And they're like, so, like, you just weren't going to tell anybody? And they were like, in all honesty, we were, like, low-key thinking, like, maybe it's Russia or maybe it's China. And then they're having, like, this meeting with multiple nations. And China's like, nah, it's not us. And Russia's like, nah, it's not us. And they're like... But is it really not you? And you Are just you lying? don't you want us to us. know that you have this technology, or like we really like <laughs> need to decide <laughs> if this is what this is. But yeah, they were saying like in the last ten years, there's like over a hundred instances that have been caught on ta- uh, camera or video or seen by like our air force and stuff and our military that have been like we don't know what that is it's so frequent now that they have a new reporting system in you know those fighter jets where they can just report it from the cockpit and fill out a form or something on their screen or whatever and and send it right off right then and there what yeah and i'm like if we are one of few planets to house life and these other beings are smarter than us or somehow able to see what we're doing. They're coming to take our planet from us. Like, let's be real. They're going to be like, we would like that. You guys are ruining it completely. You could just exist and eat apples. Instead, you guys like made capitalism and we're going to come take it from you because the resources here are rich. Like, 
and the, like our planet as a planet forget all of us living here like it does dope stuff it does and it, the argument can be made that it'd be a lot better without us i mean yeah you could make the argument if there was just animals and plants things would be great do you think if they are coming here you think it's it's to kind of clean house I mean, I have no idea. I hope not, because I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be. I can't help but think of all the bad things I've been, I've seen. Like you know what I mean? Because we've always made the idea of oh, in every other, movie, of every other movie. life coming to like take us or like make us slaves or eat us or something. So I can't help but have those thoughts. But I mean, ideally, I would love them to come and be like, we will just make your life better for you. <laughs> Yeah, they just come to share the technology, right? Yeah, yeah, and help oh, us help like out. Re- heal the earth and like develop our society past what we are. That'd be dope. All right. I kind of, for a while, I thought maybe they were just coming to spectate. Like you know how we watch animals yeah. or those tribes in like the Indian Ocean that haven't been contacted yeah. for hundreds of years, and we kind of just watch them, but from a distance, and we don't really interfere with them. I kind of thought maybe that's what I. If I was being idealistic, I would say, yeah. okay, they're just watching. Or if just... you thought about it, like, what would we be doing if we stumbled upon a planet that could have, or anytime we find a planet, what do we do? We go and poke Take around. Take that shit over. That's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We suck. But no, like, Mars, we go to Mars. We, we send the rover to Mars yeah. to do, like, to get information on Mars. Like, we're, we didn't do anything bad to it yet. So. But there's no life there. And there's nothing True. really good there. If it was shit was popping off on mars and that looked like the place to be humans are so greedy we'd be there oh we can wrap this up we've done i know we've just been chatting (laughs) i know i was like wait i have all these text messages (laughs) um do you want to plug where people can find you where they can find Um, black humboldt (laughs) i know right this was a black humboldt interview (laughs) that segued very quickly to a mo interview those are the best podcasts um yeah uh black humboldt at blackhumboldt.com or at blackhumboldt on socials. Um, Juneteenth is June 19th. Right around every the corner. Year. Uh, community-wide, no exclusive events. We're doing events um, from that Thursday through Monday. Where at? Just All over the town? place. Okay. So like some in Eureka, some in Arcata, the Plaza it will be our main like celebration though on the 19th. Um, and it will be just fun and music food uh maybe a beer garden you know like okay fun in the sun you know all right um and then yeah uh black humble doesn't really do any activism we're just like a, we're just pretty much a club like come hang out but if um you are interested in finding out more about like activism and humboldt um my social media is mo underscore hd underscore create 707 and I do lots of like social work in the community, like as an individual. So anytime someone wants to see if something's happening, you can probably find it there. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mo. I had a great time yeah, talking yeah, to you. That was a lot of fun. I know. I'm glad we could uh, delve into all the things happening in the world right now. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Good. Good. All right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.